upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. The purpose of God in the salvation of his people <clears throat> could be summed up in a singular word. And that word would be the word blessing. Everything, and I mean everything, that the Lord does for his people is all for their eternal happiness, for their eternal blessing. And that was his purpose even before man fell in sin and rose up in rebellion against God. It was his purpose from eternity past when God in the three persons of the Trinity entered into that covenant of redemption whereby he chose a people unto himself and Christ to represent that people in a, so that they would be saved by sovereign free grace. That, of course, is the purpose of God. As we look at Scripture and we see and we read that when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law. God's purpose in sending his Son into the world was for the blessing, the eternal happiness of his people. Of course, that was his purpose when he sent his Son to the cross to take our place, to be our substitute, to bear our sins in his own body on the tree. It was his purpose when on the third day he rose him again from the dead and it was his purpose when he took him up into heaven and to sit down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And that will be the purpose of God when he sends the Lord Jesus Christ the second time as he comes to be glorified in his people. So it's, it's not surprising that this truth is emphasized again and again as we go out and read through the, 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 the word of God. And he, he does that in so many ways. When you open up there in the first chapter of the book of Ephesians, we have that certainly emphasized for us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us blessed us with all spiritual blessings, all kinds of spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And that truth is also displayed in, a, in the formal blessings or the benedictions that we find at the close of so many of the New Testament writings. And that's the very same truth that the Holy Spirit is underlining here in this passage of Scripture that the Lord has laid upon our hearts in this morning. In order to remind his people of his desire to bless them, the Lord chose Aaron to represent them before him and so, in a way, formally pronounced his blessing upon them. In the economy of God's sovereign grace, Aaron, of course, is a type, a foreshadow of the greater Aaron, the Lord Jesus Christ. And surely it must be significant that God manifested in the flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ, commencing his ministry, does so with this very thought in his heart and in his mind. 
We have, of course, that first great discourse, the Sermon on the Mount. And during that discourse, the Lord Jesus uses the word blessed uh, no less than nine times. This emphasis is in perfect harmony with what we read here in these verses at the end of chapter 6 of the book of Numbers. And as we look at this portion this morning, as the Lord will give us help, we want to consider this blessing and notice three things. First of all, let us notice here the general character, the general character of God's blessings. It is important to underline that God's blessings are always and only by means of a priest that is chosen by him. That in itself surely highlights the the solemnity of this sovereign purpose and at the same time underlines the, the Lord's determination to bless his people in this way that is through a priest. The Lord secures the blessing for his people. And that is what is revealed here in these verses that we have before us. The blessing here comes through Aaron, the priest. The priest that the Lord had chosen. In in his priestly office, Aaron represented the people before the Lord. But you see, in order to bring the blessing of the Lord to them, he had to represent these people before the Lord, bringing a sacrifice for their sins. He had to make atonement for their sin. There's no way the blessing of God could come to them until their sins were first of all dealt with. And so in his priestly office, he'll come with the sacrifice. He'll bring the sacrifice before the Lord. He'll offer it up, making atonement for their sins. And as it were, turning to the people having made the sacrifice with his hands still, as it were, dripping with the blood, he will raise his hands over the congregation and he will pronounce this benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And of course, it is so also with us, not only with Israel all those years ago, it is so with us even this very Sabbath morning. There can be no divine blessing outside the work of our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. As our priest, he came to represent us before God. And that's why in coming into this scene of time, he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. All our sins, all our iniquities were laid upon him. And he offered himself not uh, through, not like Aaron offering another sacrifice, a sacrifice, an animal sacrifice, but he offers himself the Lamb of God, bearing our sins, dies in our place and in our stead. And as he does that, then he secures for us those of us who by sovereign grace Those of us who through faith alone are resting in the Lord Jesus Christ on that atoning death, 
or that offering that was made for us. And as we rest on that uh, offering, as we rest on that sacrifice, then we are absolutely sure that we have the blessing of God upon us. And of course, here in a nutshell, we have the glorious message of the gospel. And for you who are in this meeting this morning, or who may be tuned in and listening, who are yet in your sins, this, this is the glorious message. This is the good news for you. The Bible, you see, describes you as being dead in trespasses and in sins. And you may think that you are alive. You may think that you are a happy person. You may think that you are enjoying life to the full. I can remember back as any child of God here in this meeting can, when the times in our lives when we thought the very same thing, only to discover afterwards that we were completely deceived by our sin, completely deceived by the God of this world just to realize that we were just as miserable as anyone else. And of course the reason for that is, as Paul emphasizes, it is because we were without Christ. And the reason that you are dead in your trespasses and sins is because you are without Christ. And because you are without Christ, you have no hope. You, have, you are without God in this world. Isn't that a solemn thought? That, that's enough to make anyone tremble, to realize that they're in this condition, and to realize that far from enjoying the blessing of God, the very curse of God is upon your head. You're in that place when at any second you could be launched out into God's eternity, and you would go out with God's wrath upon you to suffer the wrath of God for all eternity. But may it please the Lord this morning in his sovereign grace to take his word. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. May he take his word. May he stir your heart. May he convict you of your sin. May he bring to you to see that you are lost and without Christ and in need of Christ. And Christ is there for you. If you only but come and receive him as your own and your personal saviour. But furthermore, as we look here, we, we, we realize that the, the Lord's blessing not only is on the, the ground of the sacrifice that was made, but it is on the ground of the priest's intercession. In accordance with his priestly office, Aaron, having offered the sacrifice to the Lord, then prayed for the people. He prayed that the, the, blessing, the blessing that was promised, that was given by means of promises, that blessing would be upon the people of God. And that prayer was answered and was answered immediately. For having prayed, Aaron immediately would turn to the people and he would formally pronounce this blessing. The Lord, the Lord himself, bless thee. That act typifies what the Lord Jesus Christ does for us having finished his work here on earth having offered himself as a sacrifice for our sin 
He went up into heaven. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And there he prays for his people. We read in Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25. That Christ ever liveth. Ever liveth. To make intercession for them. I think that we don't fully appreciate this aspect of the of the Lord's work for us because it is fundamental it is fundamental to the enjoying of the of the Lord's blessings and we need to realize that because we are surrounded with enemies and and with dangers Peter in his first epistle tells us of the roaring lion Satan is compared to that roaring lion He's going about seeking whom he may devour. And we're conscious of that every day in our lives. But we're also conscious of the world in which we live. The pull of the world. The influence that the world can so easily have upon us. And at times does have upon us. And we have to lament that enemy within. How strong is the pull of sin even within us. And, and we have all of these enemies. We're fighting against all of these enemies. We are in great danger. And you know any of these enemies would ensnare us. Would bring us down were it not for our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. There at the right hand of the majesty on high. We have that illustrated for us so clearly in the warning that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to Peter there in Gethsemane. He was coming to the cross and he sees the danger that there is Satan's going to do his utmost to, to destroy the disciples and Peter in particular. And so the Lord turns to Peter and he gives him this warning. He says, Peter, uh, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. What was it that prevented that from happening? What was it that made the difference between Peter and Judas? Judas also deceived the Lord. Peter also did the same thing. Now, what was it that prevented that from happening? Well, we might think, well, Peter has now been warned. At least he knows what's coming up. He'll be vigilant. He'll be, he'll be watching out. He'll, he'll be praying. He'll be seeking for grace to, to be delivered when the enemy will come. Far from it. Peter on this occasion was so fell with himself, so fell with his own ability, that he was more or less saying to the Lord, Lord, don't you worry about me. Think about those other fellows there. They, they need that warning, but I don't need that. I'm prepared to uh, go with you, to be in prison. I'm even prepared to, to die for you. But the Lord had told him that before the cloak would crow, he would deny him three times. And so it was. But why did Peter not fall into the hands of Satan to be destroyed eternally? Because Christ said to him, I have prayed for thee. I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. 
child of God. That's, that's the blessing that you and I enjoy as the people of God. That blessed assurance that not only has our great high priest made the offering that is sufficient to atone for our sins, but he's there ever living at the right hand of the majesty and high, and he's praying, and because he's praying, your faith, my faith, can never fail. It will falter. It has faltered. But it will not fail. We will not be eternally damned or eternally lost. Because Christ represents us and he's there praying continually for us. That guarantees the blessing of God upon us. But there's something else. God's blessings are as much a divine command as they are an intercession. Christ our intercessor prays for us in heaven. We have of course the example of that. In John chapter 17, the great high priestly prayer. And he's praying not for the world. He's praying for those that the Father had given from before the foundation of the world. He's praying for those uh, that he was about to lay down his life and shed his blood. And we read there in John chapter 17, verse 11. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me. There is Christ at the right hand of the majesty on high. That is the sum and the substance of his praying. And what has he in mind as he prays that? He has in mind and as it were he turns to his people and he commands the blessing of God for us. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Of course we know that the Lord always is heard by the Father. He says, in one occasion he heareth me always. And so as the Lord Jesus prays for us, he then has the divine authority. You remember how he expressed that authority there just before he goes into heaven, given that great commission that we've been thinking about all the last week. All power in heaven and on earth is given unto me. Go ye therefore on the basis of that authority, on the basis of that power. Well, on the same way, on the basis of Christ's intercession, he commands the blessing for his people, the people of God. What is more? It is on the basis of our Savior's intercession that we have, you and I have, boldness to come to the throne of grace, to come into the very presence, the thrice holy presence of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. We have the authority to come and to plead the blessing of God for ourselves. We need to pray for ourselves. Yes, we, we need to pray for so many things, but let's never forget how much we need to pray for ourselves. And pray that the Lord would, would stir us and cause us to see the needs that we have and to bring those needs constantly before the Lord. But it's on the basis of that authority that we also have authority to come before the throne of grace and to pray for our families. Father, Mother, in this meeting this morning, because Christ is interceding there, 
you have been given an authority. And that authority is that you can come before God and you can plead on the behalf of your children. I'm so happy to see so many young children in the meeting here this morning. What potential there is here for the future of the work of God. But what responsibility for the parents. Yes, for the grandparents. We, have, we need to have our hearts united in this. And we need to be praying constantly. And what is the hope that we have? We have the hope of the promise of the covenant. The promise that was given that's there all throughout the Old Testament scriptures. The promise that Peter said, the promise is for you and for your children. We need to hold on to that promise. And cry unto God that God will command this very blessing not only to us but to our offspring as well and uh, to those who are afar off to those in these far places of the earth that God will be pleased to bless and to save souls throughout the world. Then in the second place I want you to notice here the, the generous content of God's blessing. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. The generosity and the certainty of this blessing is based on two unchangeable and fundamental truths. First of all, it is founded on the truth that Aaron was the chosen and the commissioned servant of God to represent the people before God. And secondly, that his words, the words of Aaron, in reality, were the words of the Lord. They weren't his words. This teaches us that the, the blessing in its entirety, from beginning to end, it's the Lord's blessing. Not Aaron's blessing, not man's blessing. And that's how it was for Israel. But you know, it's even more so for us. It's, it's more generous, it's more secure for us because it comes to us not through an earthly priest, but through a divine priest. The one who was God and man at the same time. Christ, our priest, was different from Aaron in, that, in the way that he was anointed. Aaron was anointed by, by men. Aaron was anointed by Moses. And so he came into his office. But not so with the Lord Jesus Christ, the greater Aaron. We read over in the book of Hebrews, in the chapter 1, the verses 8 and 9, where the writer here is quoting from the 45th Psalm. And it says, But unto the Son, he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee. Aaron was anointed by Moses, but the Lord Jesus Christ was anointed by God with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. So with this anointing upon him, Christ declares the blessing of God upon his people. I, the Lord, bless thee and keep thee. 
There is something very interested and interesting and very instructive here in this Aaronic uh, blessing. The word Lord, if you look at the passage, appears no less than three times. The Lord bless thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee. According to some Hebrew scholars, each time the name Lord is used here, it, is, it has a, a difference in the original. And of course we may be thinking in our, in our minds, well, could that be a reference to the three persons in the divine trinity? And when we come to the New Testament, we find that it's not merely a thought, it, it, it's a reality. And we have that confirmed to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, where the Apostle Paul is given the, the divine benediction upon the people of God. He says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, that's the Father, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you. And there is, therefore, a very close connection between these benedictions that we have in the New Testament and this benediction that we're considering here this morning in the Old Testament. If you look here at the first phrase, this first phrase very clearly focuses the Father. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. If you consider that in the, the light of the teaching of the New Testament, it will cause you to think of what, what motivated the Father to bring the blessing to his people. And of course the motivation was his love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It was love that motivated him in eternity past to choose us in Christ. The apostle emphasizes that in the first chapter of his epistle to the Ephesians. We've already made reference to the verse 4. Now we're in the verse 5. According as he, the Father, hath chosen us in him, that is in Christ, before the foundation of the world. And in the Spanish Bible, the Reina de Valera, 90, the year 1960, it brings in the word love. According as he hath chosen us in love, in him, before the foundation of the world. And Paul tells us over there in Romans 5 and verse 8 that it was the, that love that caused the Father to send his Son all the way to the cross. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It was because of that unchanging, unfailing love that the love of Christ was shed abroad in each and every one of our hearts. It is because of that unchanging and unfailing love that we are blessed with the all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we should never have any doubts about the motivation of God's blessing toward us it's a heart that is filled with love. And of course, when everything is going well and the sun's shining around us and we have no difficulties, we have no problem with that. We, we can rejoice in that. But our circumstances change, don't they? 
The sun doesn't always shine. The, the going's not always easy. Sometimes we find ourselves like the disciples out there on, on the, in the midst of the storm, uh, rowing in vain. And then that's when we begin to doubt. That's when we begin to, uh, to have troubles. But we need to have this truth fixed upon our hearts that even in the deepest of trials, in the greatest temptations, even in those times of sickness, when humanly speaking we would be despairing, Yet remember our hearts have been fell because the, the love of Christ has been shed abroad in our hearts. And the word of God is constantly reminding us that his purpose in love is to bless us in every situation and circumstance of life. So when we understand that, then we realize that in the time of sickness, in the time when it seems everything is going against us, it's not really going against us. Because you see the Father sovereignly, providentially is controlling all events for his own glory but for our good, for our blessing. And then the second phrase certainly focuses the Son. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. Be gracious unto thee. Well, the grace of God can only be known and experienced through the Lord Jesus Christ. God manifested in the flesh. Because all of our guilt, all of our misery, the misery that sin produces has been taken away. Taken away by our blessed substitute, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the guarantee of every divine blessing. The blessing of regeneration. When we were, as it were, when we were dead in our trespasses and sin, it was him who quickened us, regenerated us. Caused us to be born again of the Spirit of God. What a blessing that was. And it's because of Christ that we have the blessing of reconciliation with God. Having been enemies of God, we are now uh, in peace with God. We are reconciled to God. We also have the, uh, the blessing of justification. We have the blessing of adoption. The blessing of forgiveness of sins. The blessings of peace, the blessings of the joy of the Lord. And, and to sum it up, we have all spiritual blessings in the Lord Jesus Christ. Such are the blessings that come to us through our blessed surety and substitute that God makes his glory, the glory of his Son, to shine in us and to shine through us. We who by nature wear darkness, we are now light in the Lord. What a blessing that is. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What a tremendous blessing that is. But you see, it's not a blessing that we're looking to in the past. You remember the day, the date, the hour, the moment when your life was turned around, when you were transformed, you were made a new creature in Christ. But we're not looking back. We, we are in the present. God's blessing is not only with the past, it's, it's with the present. It's ongoing. It's causing us to grow more and more in, in grace, to mature. And to be more and more like our Lord Jesus Christ. 
2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed. And the verb means here, are literally being changed. We're in a process of being changed. How? Into the same image, from glory to glory. We are in a state of glory, but we tomorrow will know a greater state of glory. And so it is every day in our lives as we make use of the means of grace. We are into the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. Let me ask you, child of God, are you enjoying the blessings of the Lord? Have you that happiness, knowing that you are right with God? Knowing that there is now therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus? Is this your personal experience? Every day? Was that your experience this morning as you met with the Lord alone preparing your heart to come to this Sabbath morning service? You see, that, that's our covenant right. That's what God has given to us in Christ. We have a right to it. It's what the Lord wants for you. It's what the, the, the Lord gives to you in Christ. Are you enjoying that? But then the third phrase clearly focuses on the Holy Spirit. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. There can be no doubt that this uh, phrase corresponds perfectly to that phrase that we find there at the end of 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 14, the communion of the Holy Spirit. You know, there, there's absolutely nothing in this world that compares to this blessing. The blessing of being at peace with God. This is a blessing beyond all measure. Remembering that by nature we were under God's wrath. We were in danger of his eternal indignation. But having been the children of wrath, we are now the children of God. We were enemies of God, but now we are at peace with God. All this is the fruit of the result of the work of the Spirit within our hearts. It was the Spirit, the Spirit of God that transformed us. The Spirit of God that made us willing in the day of his power. The Spirit that regenerated us. The Spirit that gives us peace with God. Peace that is beyond all understanding. We read in Philippians chapter 4 verse 7, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We can have absolutely no doubt, we should have absolutely no doubt, what the thoughts of God are for his people. What the purpose of God is for his people. We've seen it. It's the purpose of blessing. God cannot have any other thoughts. He doesn't have any other thoughts but thoughts of blessing for his people. Remember how he emphasized that to the prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11. And Jeremiah says, for, for I know the thoughts, or the Lord speaking to Jeremiah says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. 
I know the thoughts that I'm thinking towards you, believer. What are those thoughts? Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. This is the blessing that the Lord has for every single individual child of God. And that, that's emphasized here, by the way, in our passage. Because in every one of these cases, you'll notice here how he emphasizes that the Lord bless thee. Now, every time, it's not in plural, it's in singular. The Lord bless thee as an individual. The Lord keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Five times it is repeated and every time it's in the singular. Every single Hebrew Jew that stood before the high priest watching him offer up the sacrifice, watching him as he turns around and raises his hands and pronounces the benediction upon the people, he realizes this is not a blessing in, in a general sense. This is a blessing for me. The Lord is pronouncing his blessing upon me. We need to realize that, child of God. It is the the, the, the enjoyment that God wants for us. The blessing of God's keeping power in my life every day. God promises to give me the power, the grace that is sufficient to be able to face all the different enemies and all the different problems of life. Grace constantly is flowing to me. His eternal peace is given to me. It's given to you as a child of God. Are you enjoying the blessing of the Lord? And then I come to my last point briefly, the glorious conclusion of God's blessings. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Throughout their generations, the Levitical priests, like Aaron, on this occasion, pronounced the divine benediction of God upon Israel, the people of God. Generation after generation heard these words repeated again and again, I will bless them, I will bless them. This is still the Lord's blessing for his people. I will bless them. And how will the Lord bless us? Well, by making us, as he has done, his own peculiar people. By making us to be heirs, eternal heirs of the kingdom of God. And to making us joint heirs with his blessed son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So in closing, we can say with, with complete Certainty, absolute certainty, for that's what we're finding here in the word of God, that all who are blessed of the Lord are blessed indeed. Therefore, therefore, knowing that we are so blessed of the Lord, 
In reality, nothing else matters. It doesn't matter who won the elections. It doesn't matter what's going to happen with this war that's going on at the moment. Of course, in another sense, it does matter. But in this context, in this sense, it certainly doesn't matter. Anything that's going on around you, anything that's happening in our circumstances at this time, it doesn't really matter. We can identify here with the psalmist, like Luther, the 46th psalm. Though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake and the swelling thereof, even though all of that is trembling around us, we need not be troubled. We need not be troubled. Why? Because we have the blessing of the Lord upon us. You know what that means? That means what Paul was emphasizing in Romans chapter 8. We know, we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. But before I close, I have to come back to you in this meeting who are unsaved. Because all of this that rejoices our hearts and gives us encouragement to press on, no matter what the circumstances might be, it has absolutely nothing to do with you. You know nothing of the experience of this blessing that we're talking of. Yes, you know blessings that you're maybe not even aware of. Because the, 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 the common grace of God brings blessing to all without exception. The sun, the Lord causes the sun to rise every day for the just and for the unjust. All are blessed in the general sense, but not in this sense. And this is what troubles us this morning, that you are yet in your sin. You know nothing of this blessing of the God, of the Lord. Far from knowing it. As I've said before, you're in the place where you're in danger of being launched out into a Christless eternity. But it doesn't have to be that way. And I want to emphasize that we, we have been speaking of here as a reality and part of the experience of the people of God can be your experience. How? Well, first of all, recognize your sin. Recognize that you are a sinner. You're lost. You're undone. Recognize that without Christ, for there is only, there is only one Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Recognize that only he can save. He can save to the uttermost. Repent from your sin. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Take the promise of God's word. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Isn't that simple? Whosoever. That includes you. Simply call on the name of the Lord. And the promise is sure. Shall be saved. May God give you the grace this morning to uh, lift up your heart to repent from your sin to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ so then the Lord the Lord bless thee and keep thee the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace and they shall put my name upon the children of Israel and I will 
Bless them. May the Lord bless his word to all of our hearts.